welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast that explores resistance to white supremacy through the lens of Jewish and Christian scriptures. The Word is Resistance is a project of Surge Faith. My name is Alan Maxfield Steele, and I'm giving my third offering to The Word is Resistance podcast. I'm recording this on April 17th, and it's for the April 22nd Revised Common Lectionary Readings. The music that welcomed you to the podcast and that'll be playing throughout the podcast is a live recording of a song gifted to the freedom movement by Dr. Vincent Harding called We Are Building Up a New World. And the group you hear singing is No Enemies, a multiracial group of activists and musicians in Denver, Colorado, and they're led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are so grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for the podcast. The scripture selection for this week sits in the season of Easter, coming from the gospel attributed to John, chapter 10, verses 7 through 18, and I'll read that a little bit later after the musical break. The title of this installment is, Whose Are You? I'm recording from a closet in my home in Haywood County, North Carolina, which is in the western part of the state. For those of you who know this part of the country, you know that I'm in the Blue Ridge Mountains, which make up a portion of southern Appalachia. You may also know that this is Cherokee land. As for me, most of my people come from east of here, on the western edge of the Carolina Piedmont. I'm an ordained clergy person in the tradition known as the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, or Disciples as some of us call it for short, and I'm currently serving as the co-executive director of the Highlander Research and Education Center in Newmarket, Tennessee, alongside Ashley Woodard Henderson and our incredible team of movement educators. For now, I invite you into a very simple task to get grounded. Take a moment to try to be as perfectly still as you can. If you're jogging or walking or driving, Either stop for a moment or just pretend that your feet have never left the ground, but rather that you are in one continuous place. Whether perfectly still or moving in one continuous place, remember to breathe as deeply as you can breathe. Try to imagine yourself as just one creature in generations of creatures many of whom have stepped or sat in the very same place where you find yourself today. Who were they? What did they know? What did they need? And as the music begins here shortly, continue breathing in as deeply as you can, and letting it out as fully as you can. I said at the beginning, uh, this week's installment of The Word is Resistance is entitled, Whose Are You? And I'm looking at the gospel as it is attributed to John chapter 10, verses 7 through 8. And I'm reading from a new revised standard version. So here these words. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. 
Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. So a few things about this passage that preachers and others might want to think about. It's going to offer some thoughts today. First off, you should know that I took the liberty of making sure to read the verses before the lectionary selection. This week's lectionary actually just focuses on chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Um, As you can tell, I scooped up the first few verses of the section 7 through 10. And I don't always understand why the lectionary chunks things out the way that it does, and I'm not really worried about that this morning. I did think it might be helpful to hold the verses together, though, so take it or leave it, depending on your situation, but just know that. What's more pertinent to the conversation is that Jesus here is two different things, all related to sheep. First, Jesus is the gate, the actual means by which sheep enter or leave, the means by which the sheep receive protection from the very thieves who steal and kill and destroy the sheep. So Jesus is the gate. And Jesus is also the shepherd the one who will die to protect and care for the sheep, the one who is decidedly not a hired hand who can't stand up to the wolf. So John's gospel claims that Jesus is both the gate and the shepherd. And just hold on to that for a moment. Hold on to that as we think about this today. I typically shy away from the gospel of John, and that's usually because it's so cosmic and reads so much like a science fiction book or story that I don't really know where I've been after I've read it. But I also shy away from it, and others do too, I think, and then that's largely because of how anti-Jewish it can read. Not necessarily in this section if you just take it out, uh, but for how the whole gospel text reads. And it's also because of how people have used it, particularly, obviously, Christians have used it throughout the centuries, have used it for such anti-Semitic purposes. And I think it's um, hard to, to, to use this text and, as a whole. But I don't need John to help me to understand God. Um, and I think that we can still use this text to think through some things as it was revealed to John, or at least as it was understood by the communities who heard John's and read John's and worked through John's gospel. And I think it's also true that most who study John with reliable historical analysis will tell us that the community of believers who were listening to John's telling of the gospel were probably in a bit of internal community strife, 
while also engaging in strife with those outside of the community. And all that means that words can get more extreme, that people can get vilified more easily, and in this case, it was people with whom John's early Christian community might have encountered on more belligerent terms. So all that to say the lines of insider and outsider were drawn more distinctly, the language is more stark, it's more insider-outsider-y, and it can be really intense. So I'm just naming all that in terms of historical context because we're not going to take this into some anti-Jewish description today, obviously, and I encourage everybody to try to figure out ways to unpack that with their congregations and others uh, as they read that. This passage has uh, Jesus describing who he is. Uh, He's the gate and the shepherd to the people who are the sheep. These are classic images, often in Christian circles, finding their way onto the stained glass of our churches. I have distinct memories of this, and some of you may as well if you grew up in a church that had stained glass. But John's images draw upon much older images, used just as robustly in the scriptures of Israel. And the Jewish annotated New Testament encourages us to read from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 34, verses 1 through 10. And so I'll read that out today, and you'll hear the similar things, and you'll hear some of the context that was probably underneath John's use of this imagery. So here wrote the prophet Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me, mortal, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strayed. You have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and scattered they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild animals, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves, and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths so that they may not be food for them. Read alongside the prophet Ezekiel's, John's words from the gospel passage today remind me of what it means to read for how God intends to move in the world. God moves in a way that protects, that tends to creation, that illuminates safety amidst fear, that isolates the thief who comes to destroy, that encircles the sheep with a fence and gate intended to guard us from those who might be hell-bent on tearing us from one another. God moves where there is a strengthening of people, where there is a healing of sickness, where there is a feeding of people, where the needs and cries of the people are met. So let this passage today remind you of what John's Jesus is telling you about God, that God intends for us to be whole, to be together, not scattered and isolated and afraid, that God intends for us to seek strength in knowing that being together is what it means to to be 
of God's creation, that being protected is an assurance, and that those who come to destroy us and steal us or those who run away from protecting us are not instruments of God's peace and love. In this particular moment, I find it difficult to read this passage without thinking of the raids conducted over the past two weeks by the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, or what people call ICE. In Granger County, Tennessee, not far from Morristown, Tennessee, in Buncombe County, in Henderson County, North Carolina, or in any number of situations lately where ICE has targeted individuals or families or workers across the region, across Tennessee, across North Carolina, I can't help but see these agents as thieves in the night, as thieves in broad daylight, issuing their absurdist decrees about who counts and who doesn't, shackling human beings and shipping them away from their loved ones. So as I read this passage today, I think of Jesus as gate, Jesus as shepherd. Both images have implications for how we are to be with one another equitable in community, collectively watching out for one another amidst the possibilities of bad shepherds, of hired hands who run away, of the agents of empire who seek to steal us from one another. I think the implications of this passage for dismantling white supremacy is that living into white supremacy is certainly being the thief, the hired hand, etc. And it's also, this is a little tricky, It's also the false consciousness of believing that you are the shepherd or that you are the gate when we're really just the sheep. So theologically, resistance to white supremacy that we can learn from this passage in this particular moment is that no matter where you are, you are to remember who and whose you are, that you and everyone else are members of God's creation, that you and your neighbor are God's not the states, that you and your neighbor are gods, not the empires, and that you and your neighbor are gods, not the agents of ice. That you and your neighbors are an amazingly lovely herd of sheep equal in and before God. And if there's any call to action based on this gospel truth, it's that we as members of the flock are called to tend to one another's well-being inside the flock and as the flock itself towards something that's greater than ourselves and the flock, towards God's intentions for us to be together, to be whole and never torn apart. I have been honored to join Appalachian communities coming together to protect and defend each other from the ice raids in their workplaces and communities. So my first call to action is for everyone hearing or reading this or learning about this in some way 
to understand that the response coming from Appalachian and other Southern communities is the rule, not the exception here in Appalachian across the South. Powerful resistance and acts of God's love have moved through all of these communities impacted by the raids. And I invite you to join in that supporting uh, I jo- join this, the, the communities across the region who are pushing back and who are resisting ICE raids today and in the coming weeks. One easy way, uh, maybe most centralized way, to find out about next steps is to go to Facebook and check out Southeast Immigrant Rights Network and check out their posts that point you in the direction of all the various frontline efforts to transform these attacks into resistance and defense of immigrant communities against the thieves of the state. Again, that's Southeast Immigrant Rights Network on Facebook. You'll find listings of ways to support resistance efforts currently underway across the region. Thanks so much for listening today, everyone. I'm not sure when I'll be back on this podcast, but I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you found it helpful. Tune in next week for an installment offered up by Blythe Brownell. You can find out more about Surge and Surge Faith at showingupforracialjustice.org. And this podcast lives at SoundCloud. You just need to search on The Word is Resistance. You can interact with us there. And if you have questions or need help with action ideas, you can kind of figure that out there. Transcripts are available on the website and includes any references, credits, and copyright information. The music you hear is a live recording of song uh, and singing Gifted to the Freedom Movement by Dr. Vincent Harding. We are building up a new world, and the group you hear singing is No Enemies, a multiracial group of activists and musicians in Denver, Colorado. And they're coming together for movement choir practice and bringing singing back into direct direct actions and other movement spaces. And this particular choir practice is from December 2014. It's being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker, and we are grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for the podcast. So many blessings to all of you. Take care and remember that the word is resistance. Mm